to Fancy Town Crimes Podcast, a podcast about crimes in fancy towns told by middle-class broads. Hi all, this episode was recorded a couple of months ago, but we wanted to make sure that we featured ways that you can get involved as we mentioned in our previous episode. So since we recorded our last one, it looks... It feels like so much has happened. Um, So first, we want to recognize that those who murdered Breonna Taylor have still not been arrested. So we will be linking a change.org petition demanding action for Breonna Taylor. Um, Second, since we recorded our our last two episodes, uh, two black trans women have also been murdered. Um, Raya Milton and Dominique Remy Fells. I'm linking to a site where we can donate to black trans groups. And lastly, as we mentioned before, all the earnings from our episodes will be going to Sisters Unchained Boston, and all of these links will be in our show notes and in our Instagram bio. If we all work together and are proactive in the face of injustice, we can see change. Thanks, everyone. Let's jump into the episode. Hi, everyone. All right. Hello, everybody. How's everyone doing? <laughs> okay, is my hair like against the microphone? Like, can you hear anything? No. Or is it okay? It's no, too much. No. This quarantine is killing me without a haircut. And I know that's like so first world <laughs> problems and forgive me, but let me tell you, I'm a shaggy dog. Shaggy dog. Yeah, my hairdresser keeps calling me to like reschedule and reschedule and reschedule my haircut. And I left a voicemail for them and I was like, maybe we should just reschedule it to like September because. I don't know when I'm going to be able to come in for a haircut again. <laughs> you should just, you know what you should do in September before you pop the baby out? You should get like full out Manny Petty, like uh, blow out the whole thing, just like strutting into the hospital. <laughs> hello, I'm here. I should get my makeup done. Yeah. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> oh, I would I mean, love that. Lord knows you have plenty of time from when you start labor, especially with your first kids. I know, seriously. So <laughs> I, uh, I think that's a great idea. I can't wait to like, I was looking at my toes earlier today and I was like, I need a pedicure in the worst way. So I really need to give myself a pedicure in the next, like, maybe this weekend. I'll give you, give myself one. You'll give me one. Thanks. A virtual I'll pedicure. A virtual <laughs> pedicure. <laughs> oh, by the way, this is Taylor. And this is Megan. <laughs> but speaking of your child, I really dug yes. that bump photo. Thank you. It was so weird. It was just like all of a sudden it came out of nowhere. Like, I don't know if it was because I put on real clothes and <laughs> it like finally was like, oh my gosh, when you wear, wear real clothes, you can see it. Or if that was just me, quote unquote, popping, as they say. Well, um, what week are you? So I am technically, so based on my like initial measurements, I'm 17 weeks. Oh my God, you're almost halfway. Yeah, but based on my most recent ultrasound, I'm 18 weeks. So I'm like, I'm like a four day (laughs) difference. I know it's really weird. Are you like a shelter dog that they guess your age? (laughs) Yeah, they really don't know how old my baby is. So But 18 weeks makes sense based on, like, what we thought when we first went in. Because mm-hmm. um, when I first went in, I thought that I was nine weeks, and they told me I was eight. 
And then um, when I went back in again, they said I was like a week ahead. So I don't know. We'll find out tomorrow when I go in for my ultrasound, my anatomy <laughs> ultrasound. So exciting. What oh. do you think? What do you, if you had to guess right now, what do you think? I don't know. I like, I go back and forth and I've been doing all those, like, uh, all those tests, um, those like old wives tales tests to see, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, what does it say? And it's always 50, 50 boy and girl. Hmm. So like Jeff thinks it's a boy. Um, his parents think it's a girl. My parents think it's a boy. Um, Beth from the wind podcast thinks it's a boy. <laughs> do you think it's a, do you still think it's a girl? Well, so this is the hard thing with me is I think I just always think it's a girl because I'm just like, I really want another girl in the mix. <laughs> but I did, remember I did have that dream that I thought yeah. that you told me it was a girl and you like had the Freudian slip, but I am by no means psychic. So mm. the only, the only guess I ever got right, my cousins, when they were pregnant, I was like, it's a girl. Both of them had boys. And then the only one I got right was my friend who ended up having her kid on my birthday. And so I won that whole pool. I got the gender right. I got the um, day right. And I was like four ounces off on the weight. That you know, is only because I guessed myself. Only because if, I guessed myself. <laughs> if you, if you get all of those things right, I think that you get um, legal right to name the baby. <laughs> I think that's how that yeah. works. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if uh, Jill would be so thrilled with that, but I did it tell, so when she first told me that she was pregnant, she told me back in like September, I think, or October around then. Um, cause we're pretty close. She's a, a good friend of mine and coworker. And so she told me, and now this is kind of funny because we were at a friend's party and she's like, Oh, Megan, like, um, why don't you come with me and our other friend Reg and we're gonna like take a little girls trip to the bathroom and so Megan had already had a couple of glasses of wine so of course you know me I'm like great I'll go girls tripping anywhere okay it's a single stalled bathroom it's just like one of the ones that it's like a regular like bathroom for a house or whatever yes so we go in and she she tells me that she's pregnant and I was like oh my god and of course I'm like close to tears because it's emotional wine drinking yeah, Megan of course and then and then she's like and my due date is April 4th and of course my birthday's on the 5th and I was like oh my god so ever since then I've been obsessed I'm like you're gonna have an Aries baby I'm going to totally. teach it the ways of being an Aries and then when it was a girl I was just so excited and so now I've determined that that child is going to be a scientist. I bought her the ABCs Perfect. of biology. Aww. So her English teacher mom probably won't be thrilled with me in a couple of years when I start shoving science down that kid's throat. <laughs> that is awesome. I love that. We've no, been researching. Super cute. Oh, she is really cute. I've seen pictures. Mm -hmm. Um, we've been researching like all these different toys that you can get for kids, like that'll be, you know, to teach them like all the different sciences and like, you know, of course Jeff wants to get all the engineering type things. Yeah. And so really excited to be able to play around with the like toys. There's and a the lot stuff of those books. books. Like there especially are. on Amazon. I was surprised. I had a hard time choosing a biology book for a kid. And I remember talking Which to my mom about awesome. it. She's like, it's not your child, Megan. Just pick a book. And I'm like, why? It's so important. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. Oh my gosh. We're going to have to get your kid a, a fancy, we're going to have to make like a fancy town crimes onesie for your child. Oh 
my gosh, that would be amazing. But we're gonna have to figure out if it's a boy or a girl because maybe we could put like a little mustache on it, like you know, one of those like handlebar mustaches, or what oh. we put for a girl? Hmm. Oh, it's a big like fancy town, old timey thing for women. Like Why long gloves. Oh my god, what if we got her? Yeah. What if we got her a baby flapper dress? <laughs> oh my gosh, that would be so cute with the little like the little thing yeah. that they wear on their head with the feather. That would be so amazing. Oh I my gosh, for the twenties. That's mm-hmm. so funny. Oh my gosh, that's super weird. My baby's going to be born in the 20s. Mm-hmm. I Probably know. Probably all of my children will be born in the 20s. Yes, but just not 2020. <laughs> not 2020. No, all of my children for, born in one year. For a second, I was like, what, Taylor? No, that doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> that's not how that works. <laughs> oh, Lord. Well, that is super weird. <sighs> it'll be It'll be fun when you have that kid and then we can both drink wine at the same time that we do this thank god (laughs) can't wait but for now let's take a good adventure to montclair new jersey yes so i think my cousins lived in montclair my cousins that are um fbi agents when they were working Mm. in i think new york city because remember we were at sacred heart and i competed in montclair do you remember that yeah yeah they came so I've been to Montclair, seen the ice rink. Because I was, you know, I was thinking about Montclair earlier, and I was like, I either know somebody from Montclair, or I've been there. I'm like, what do I, what, like, relationship do I have with it? So maybe it was that. It was close to Sacred Heart. It wasn't far, because it's close to New York City. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. I'm going to pull up a map while, while you talk. Didn't realize how wealthy Montclair was, but it's pretty dang wealthy. He's wealthy. Oh, yes. So... Montclair is so wealthy that I actually couldn't solely use Wikipedia. I had to use MontclairNewJerseyUSA.com <laughs> because they just won't put all their crap on Wikipedia. No, bought, we have bought to put out. Oh God! Bought so, out Wikipedia. Anyway, <laughs> Montclair is located in Essex County, New Jersey, and it's French, meaning clear mountain or bright mountain. The town's located on the east side of the Watchchung Mountains, which provide views of the New York City skyline. So I guess if you hike to the top of the mountains, you can see the skyline, which is pretty awesome. That's cool. Um, named localities include the township of Church Street, Frog Hollow, Montclair Heights, South End, Upper Montclair, and Watchchung Plaza. Now, I think named localities means, like, neighborhoods. Hmm. Interesting. But I don't know. Uh, yeah, so, I've never heard that term. I think so, because I know that Upper Montclair is a part of Montclair, so I think it's just different, like, sections. Interesting. I don't know why we have to have, we've, we've done, like, neighborhoods now, boroughs, locales. Let's just name it one flipping thing. Can we just? <laughs> <laughs> just wait until we get out of the Northeast and head other places oh. where we'll be even more confused. Well, you know, honestly, when I had to sign up for voting, um, in my town, there's called different villages. Uh, yes. That's what they call the neighborhoods. I'm like, really? That? Oh, okay. Anyway. Yeah, we, we have we have districts here in our, in Malden. And Somerville is wards, I think. Yes. Yep. Oh, wait, may, do I have more? Are we wards? I think we might be wards, wards here in, Mal- in Malden, too. It's very confusing because yes. I'm, I'm, we're like right on the border of two wards. And so I'm like, where am I supposed to go? It's too much. It's too much to handle. Okay, so back to Montclair. 
It's the homeland of the Lenape Native Americans. Um, I think it's Lenape, I think. Um, Newark, which is about 10 miles away from Montclair, was first settled by colonists from Connecticut in 1666. And then about 30 years later in 1694, the Crane family, Bert, Bert, built their first home in what is now Montclair. It's located, or it was located, near the intersection of Orange Road and Myrtle Avenue, which means nothing to me, but I suppose if you know Montclair, that's meaningful. <laughs> <laughs> the southern part of Montclair was initially named Crayon Town after the family, and the Dutch acquired the land from the Lenape Native Americans and settled in the west part of the Passasaic River. Now, I love that it says the Dutch acquired land, because that, and this was from that, like, Montclair history, because acquired could mean they bought it, mm. or it could mean they, they stole killed it. everybody, and yep. were like, yep, this is my place. This is so ours that, now. That kind of made me laugh a little bit. Acquired. Acquired. Quote, unquote. <laughs> acquired. The nice unquote. way of saying I killed everyone to get what I want. Yes. <laughs> um, in the early 1700s, John Spear, who was a member of the Dutch community, built a home on Upper Mountain Avenue just north of Montclair, uh, just north of the Montclair border, and it is still there to this day. The Dutch settlement was predominantly farmland and named Spear Town. So we got Crane Town, we got Spear Town. Okay. Then Valley Road was eventually built, providing a link between the two settlements. And obviously those two settlements eventually became Montclair. Um, in 1856, the installation of the railroad, with the installation of the railroad, Montclair was an easy destination to travel to. And by 1860, it became a commuter town. And it's still pretty much a commuter town to New York City now, Makes um, sense. to this day. In 1868, the township of Montclair was officially created. Now, the reason the town was officially created, like, on its own was because people were unhappy with the railroad service. They wanted to build another one to have even more access. <laughs> so, and apparently the old town or the town next to them or whoever, like, was like, no, one railroad isn't enough for you. So they literally went out and got their own township to build another railroad. That's okay, the whole then. reason. So, um, obviously with the new railroad, the travel, travel became more accessible. The population of the community grew rapidly as New York businessmen and their families started building homes in Montclair, which I can imagine this started to become where Montclair became a fancy town. Sounds like. <laughs> By the 20th century, Montclair was a diverse city with African Americans, Irish, Germans, Italians, Scandinavians, and English. So. Diverse means a lot of white, little bit of African-American, probably, <clears throat> if I had to take my best guess with that. Yeah. But I suppose back then, like, anytime somebody new moved in, we had to hate the new people that moved in, so. Absolutely. I suppose that was diverse for them. Between 1880 and 1930, the town's population grew from 5,000 to 42,000, just huge. That's a big jump. And became home to more than 130 residents who were listed in Who's Who in America. Oh, well then. And Who's Who in America was apparently like this book, magazine, something that was published in Chicago that essentially talked about like wealthy people and famous people. So 130 of them lived in Montclair. 
That's crazy. Montclair, New Jersey is home to more than 37,000 residents as of the 2010 census. Montclair Public Schools. Okay, so I put this in for my teacher friends that are listening because <laughs> this to me, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> Montclair Public Schools serves over 6,000 students and they have a student teacher ratio of 12 to 1. I would kill wow. for a 12 to 1 ratio. That's insane. Yeah, I'm, I wrote dying in all capitals <laughs> because I am dying as 35 wow. students log into Zoom. <laughs> One to 12. That's insane. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kind of amazing. Yep. So then we realized why they have a 12 to 1 ratio. The median household income for Montclair is 95000 and the median family income is 126. Upper Montclair, which is a neighborhood of Montclair, and I read in one article that it's considered to be the richest place in New Jersey. I've read other articles that say otherwise, but regardless, the median income there is 163000 Wow. And the median home price is over 765000 I think that might be the most expensive one or the, the highest ones we've seen so far. Definitely with income. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's, it either is or it's really close to yeah. some of the elements for home prices, but income's really the biggest one. That is. I mean, that's astronomical. That is huge. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's, uh, that's Montclair. Be fancy. Be fancy. I'm excited to hear what your crime is because this is the first one that we didn't like necessarily quote unquote agree on it. I was like, where do you want to do? And you came up with this one. So I'm super curious to see what you found. Yeah, absolutely. So um, the sources for my crime today or crimes... Uh, were the Washington Post and the Daily Mail. Um, that's where I got most of this information. So, here we go. Khalil Wheeler Weaver's killing spree is believed to have, believed to have begun on August 31st, 2016, um, when Robin <gasps> West, a 19-year-old sex I... worker, was last seen alive. Do you know this oh, one? I I don't know it. No is not the right word, but I recognize the name. I think they... Did they do it on My Favorite Murder? I don't know. Have they? Did, did they do this on them? Not that I it's a bad to, thing that they did. No. I've definitely heard it. Look it up. Maybe not. I listen to too many crime podcasts. So. Well, <laughs> no, but this, this is, from what I remember, this is yeah, a amazing it's, story. So please it's go forth. Crazy town. So Robin West, um, a Philadelphia native who moved to Union Township and struggled with mental health issues, was days away from celebrating her 20th birthday when she vanished, alarming family mm-hmm. members when she failed to respond to their messages days after. Authorities received a call of a fire at an abandoned house in Orange, New Jersey on September 1st. It was inside they found the 19-year-old's badly scorched body, which took t- nearly two weeks to identify. Oh my God, in 2016 yes. it took two weeks yes. to identify? It's not crazy. Oh. Um, so the police then quizzed uh, Khalil Wheeler Weaver 
Um, and he said he had taken the girl out to eat on the day of her disappearance, but claimed he had dropped her off at a different abandoned house two blocks away from where her body was found. Wait, so she was found in an abandoned house and he dropped her off at a different abandoned house? Yes, really good explanation. How many abandoned houses do we have, people? <laughs> While investigators puzzled over West Death's for West death for weeks, another local young woman disappeared in the meantime. Joanne Brown had been grappling with homelessness at the time she was last seen alive, climbing into Wheeler Weaver's car before being reported missing in October of that same year. Wait, how Too old was she, did you say? Um, not yet. I'm about to. Oh, sorry. Okay. Jump in the gun. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Very, <laughs> very into this. <laughs> Two months later, a work crew found the 33-year-old's lifeless body inside yet another abandoned home in Orange. Her nose and mouth were covered in duct tape, and she had been strangled to death with a jacket, which was still tied around her neck when she was found. Days later, a terrified woman came forward to describe a traumatic encounter she'd had with Wheeler Weaver at a motel in Elizabeth. The unnamed woman, who at the time was 34, turned to sex work after becoming homeless. So identified as TT during the trial, the woman said she woke up in the backseat of her car with duct tape on her face and Wheeler Weaver over her, clad in a ski mask, raping her and attempting to choke her back to sleep. Oh, God. Yep. Eventually, TT said she managed to remove the tape by screaming and crying. She convinced the defendant to take her back to... Uh, the Ritz Motel in Elizabeth, where the pair initially met, under the ruse that she'd left her cell phone behind. This was done on MFM. I just remember TT. Then they they were talking <laughs> they were talking about the Ritz Motel. Um, okay, I remember this now. Anyway, uh, there she raced into a room and locked the door behind her, where she dialed nine one one for help. Oh, good for her. So then, another woman. So Sarah Butler was nervous. The 20-year-old college student had borrowed keys to her mother's van, explaining she wanted to meet up with a friend while home in Montclair, New Jersey, over Thanksgiving break. When she didn't mention, what she didn't mention, though, was that the quote-unquote friend was an online acquaintance offering to pay her $500 for sex. She had backed out of meeting him in person before authorities say, um, but she had, she had backed out from meeting him in person before, but this time she planned to go through with it. So before she left the house, she sent him a message that said, you're not a serial killer, right? Khalil Wheeler was unfortunately exactly that. Oh. So um, the 23-year-old is accused of, murder, of murdering three women and attempting to kill a fourth, and authorities say Butler was his fin final victim. Before the two met on November 22nd, 2016, he searched the internet for information about date rape drugs and homemade poison, according to the North Jersey record. Two days late, ten, excuse me, 10 days later, Butler's body was found in a nature reserve covered with leaves and uh, detritus? Oh, detritus. Detritus. What is that? I think it just, I think it just means like, um, for like bottom of the floor, debris. Oh, like, sometimes it's at the bottom of the ocean, I think, too. Oh, I see. Interesting. 
um, she had been Decompo decomposing things. That's what it is. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so, and she had been strangled. So it took five, five days for police to arrest Wheeler Weaver and charge him in connection with her murder. Prosecutors revealed in court that Butler's parents, sister, and friends had taken matters into their own hands, logging into the 20-year-old social media account to see whom she had been talking with before she disappeared. On a um, social networking app called Tagged, uh, which has been linked to sex crimes and criticized for taking a lax approach to child por not pornography, oh they my found God. her. Yeah, they found her messages with Wheeler Weaver. So wait, this app just is it just letting stuff go do you know or is it that's what it like that's what it sounds it? like that's what oh it sounds gosh. like yeah butler's friends and family created a fake profile on the site using the promise of sex to lure wheeler weaver into an in-person meetup when he arrived he found himself face to face with the police wow sarah's friends and families are the heroes of this case um well said last month so one of the prosecutors um so authorities found that um, Wheeler Weaver had conducted a slew of disturbing online searches before meeting Butler, including how to make homemade poisons to kill humans, which I was saying, um, and had been just researching homemade homemade uh, chemicals. Okay, I have, also, to, I have to like interject yeah, for a second. Please. How can it be so stupid to research homemade poisons? Right? There are so many things that you can buy at the flipping store. And I know that sounds terrible. It sounds like somebody <laughs> ever, ever, God forbid, in connection with something, they're going to use this against me. But, like, come on. People have been poisoning since, like, the dawn of time. And they use, like, rat poison and ant poison and antifreeze and stuff like that. Are you that exactly. dumb? I mean, are you and that this, dumb? This next sentence, too, um, he also had searched. If it was possible to erase your phone data and avoid being tracked. Oh my god. Dude. Not suspicious or anything. You go to like one of the, you know, like chat room, not chat room places, but you know where you can like access a computer? Go to the flipping hotel and do that at yes. that computer. Don't, oh lord. Not that we're instructing you on how to commit a crime, but no. Like, <laughs> no but but like, obviously he wasn't, yeah. And I'm glad he was, I'm glad he was caught, like I am, and it is Thank sad God he that dumb. he wasn't caught earlier, considering how dumb this man is. Oh, yeah, I mean, he was just, you know, searching normal, like, you know, norm, like, not normal, but, like, searching like it was a normal thing to and be I think that stuff up. That's more of what I'm getting at, is it's like, you're a legitimate idiot, like, you are an idiot, what are you yeah. doing? Give and, up you know, while you're ahead. <laughs> and you wonder too, like, right? Like, is it that he's dumb? Or is it that you're just so brazen that you're convinced True. you would never get caught? That you're like, whatever, I'm just going to search this on my computer. They're never going to find out it was me. True. That is true. So. Either way, um, I hate him. Yeah. He's <laughs> a horrible, horrible human being. So. Have strong feelings. Yeah. Wheeler Weaver, <laughs> um, he worked as a grocery store security guard and he hoped to become a police officer. Um, what? Yeah. The, uh, da -da 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 -ba -ba -ba. so, um, so it was looking like it, it was going to be increasingly unlikely, um, 
the prospect, oh, the prospect of him becoming a police officer, obviously, uh, was becoming increasingly unlikely as he faced a mounting series of criminal charges linked to the other two other two women's deaths. His phone records contradicted his story about the last time he had seen West, um, the first woman that we talked about, um, who who contends that Wheeler Weaver was this, was at the same house where her body was found shortly after it went up in flames. After driving off, he repeatedly returned to the neighborhood and watched as firefighters tried to subdue the place. So returning to the scene of the crime. Ooh. Yeah. Cell phone records also showed Wheeler Weaver was the last person to call Brown before she disappeared. Authorities say he picked her says he picked her up and brought her to the vacant house where her body was later found and spent about an hour there with her before leaving alone. In February 2017, Wheeler Weaver was uh uh there's a sorry, there's a spelling error. He um, was, <laughs> was he, he was in, he was indicted on three counts of murder and one count on of attempted murder stemming from the near fatal attack in Elizabeth. He has also been charged with um, desecrating, desecration of human remains, aggravated arson, so, uh, aggravated sexual assault, and kidnapping. Um, so to many of the victims' families, the gruesome details that authorities revealed um, were baffling. So Wheeler Weaver was shockingly young at the time when the attacks allegedly occurred and hardly fits the profile of a serial killer. Um, so... Leroy West, the father of one of the victims, he said, I need to know what happened to him, what caused him to snap like this. I've been face to face with him in court and I'm looking at a handsome young man and I'm thinking, why would you need to go out and track these young women and murder them? Um, so he was convicted of, um, of all those counts um, after, two, after a two month trial. Wow. Um, he was 23 years old. Wow. He was young. He was young. So very unusual. Um, so that's the story um, that ended in Montclair, New Jersey. Uh, kind of crazy. That, you know, honestly, what I shouldn't say bothers me the most because anybody, I mean, nobody deserves to die or be killed. But yeah. Uh, picking on sex workers, Ugh. it just breaks my heart. It's, you know, some of these people, most of them, honestly, are, like, struggling to make a living. Yeah. They really have to have a lot of trust, and you're just, I mean, why, do we know why he picked on them? We don't. We don't, I don't have any information. Um, it just feels like they're such why. easy targets. It's like shooting fish in a barrel, basically. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, and it, it, you know, I, I don't have information on what happened, like why he snapped or why he went after them. But like, I feel like usually if you're going after a vulnerable population like that, there is some sort of negative connotation with sex workers because of something in your past and you know that's just kind of like it could be a, that's what happens it could be a power thing too could totally be power thing like if he wasn't confident enough to pick up a woman who wasn't I, I you know it's it's easier to lure a sex worker because they're going to be willing to meet you in a private area 
for sex versus absolutely if you go onto like a dating app it is harder to find that you know yeah 100 percent. i was just pulling up the um a list of all of the mfm episodes i'm pretty darn sure i think they did i'm not because the name initially i was like oh i recognize this name for some reason though i thought that sarah butler survived but you're right it was the other um, I wonder if it was this, the me. survival story of Tiffany Taylor, TT. wonder if that is the, um, yes, that's it. This is the one. They did do it. What so, number is it? In case anybody wants to watch or listen to it, excuse me. It was episode 209, Big Sweater Energy. Big uh, Sweater <laughs> 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 It came out in February. Um so they cover the survival oh, story. Yeah, it just came out. I knew it sounded familiar. Oh, okay, the okay. Ritz Motel was the thing that really got me. So TT that we talked about in the um, just just now, she um, her name is Tiffany Taylor, um, mm-hmm. and so they have a really wonderful retelling of her survival that I just basically oh, skimmed over. Oh, that's right. It was an yep. I survived. From, okay, so that's why it was different because that this makes, this is all making more sense yep. right now. Yeah. So um, highly, highly recommend listening to the episode and reading about her story. It was pretty, um, pretty amazing. Some of the things that she did. So it's cool to hear the, a different perspective of it because like hearing yeah. the case before and being like, oh, I know this case, but then you don't totally know the case if it's told from one perspective versus another. So that's, that's cool. I like that. Yeah. And I didn't, it is, it is interesting because I didn't even recognize it as the same case until like, until I was actually like going through it and reading it out loud. And then I was like, oh my gosh. And you said it. So like, I wouldn't have recognized it had the name not been so unique. Yeah. It's a very unique name. So, so yeah. So that's, well, um, that's not great story. job, girl. Thank you. I liked, I liked hearing the different perspective. Yeah, I'm glad. Uh, glad I could provide it. <laughs> so what? Um, what do you have for us to lighten the mood beyond so, Tiffany Taylor's amazing survival story? Montclair was kind of tough because all of the like quote unquote funny crimes. I found like a ton of robberies of people just leaving their cars unlocked and getting their cars stolen and I kind of wanted to be like guys you have nice cars like they're like sure, it's a safe my little neighborhood Corolla, my little Corolla I'd leave unlocked but like <laughs> people want your Range Rover you know they probably don't care I want I so want your Range Rover of them. <laughs> but so I was like meh so then I was like maybe I'll take Taylor's approach and I'll do something supernatural and I came up I found this through looking up something supernatural, but it's actually not supernatural. It's just this house that has a really interesting history. So this is Kipps Castle in Montclair slash Verona, because it actually spans the two um, towns. So I found the information from a bunch of places, actually. There's New York Times, Only in Your State, Weird New Jersey, and NewJersey.com. Okay. So, Kipps Castle is a 9,000-square-foot estate whose 11-acre grounds span two towns, Montclair and Verona. It was built in 1905 by textile baron Frederick Kipp, and it originally served as a private residence. 
It's a Rhineland-style castle that was transported stone by stone to Montclair from Europe. Oh, And was known as Kipsburg or the castle. So, America stone, clearly not as good as Europe stone. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You got that good Europe stone. So, the 30-room mansion is replete with original stained glass windows, oak-paneled rooms, hand-carved banisters, and a small chapel with cathedral ceiling and mahogany mantelpiece. And I threw that in for uh, the real estate agent there, because that just sounds gorgeous. That's just so unique. That's Mm -hmm. so, that's crazy. Mm Mm-hmm. So after his wife passed away in 1926, Kip sold the home to Signono Munoz, who I'm sorry, I know I'm butchering his name, (laughs) um, who earned his fortune in the oil industry. The home remained a private residence until the 1980s. (laughs) Here's where it gets fun. In 1980, the home was sold to Indian guru Bhagwan Sri Ranish. Oh, yeah. Have what? you heard of him? Yes, yeah. the Ranish. Yeah. He's the guy. Wasn't there a, a Netflix special about him? How they basically like got a town in in Oregon? Um, I don't know. I haven't seen that, I'm, but I think I um, I'm pretty sure. I think I I have heard about it on um the podcast Cults. Yeah. So it it's a, this is fun. So Bhagwan, which means God, was a self-proclaimed, quote, rich man's guru, unquote, who accepted worldly goods of his followers to the tune of several million dollars. So now this guy basically got, like, told his followers, from what I can gather, that they needed to, like, give up all their worldly possessions, Mm -hmm. but give it up to him. (laughs) Must be nice. (laughs) his personal secretary was the person who influenced him to purchase the property um, as she had gone to school in the area and loved it after buying the estate the walls were covered in sheetrock the floor with linoleum and the windows were smashed or sold um to keep his followers from becoming too attached to the house's materialistic trappings that's now, horrible. I heard from two di- one source I heard that it was sold, one source I heard that it was smashed, so I don't 100% know hmm. what the deal is there, but regardless, they did something to it. So, he didn't want them to get too attached. Meanwhile, he owned 33 Rolls Royces. Oh my I'm sorry, gosh. I'm sorry, not 33, 83 Rolls Royces. Oh my gosh, that's ridiculous. And I'm like, oh, dude. Um, what do you even do with 83 rolls? Roll I actually, I saw one picture where all of his followers would line up and every morning and watch him drive his rolls Royce by. <laughs> and they were standing there thinking, what are we doing with our lives? <laughs> and they were probably like, this man's great. Look oh, at him and his Rolls Royce. It's because God gave it to him. And Ooh. there's a little voice in the back of their head being like, no, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so. The castle was converted into a compound, home to a cult promoting sexual liberation. They took out ads in local papers promoting sex as a form of therapy. One ad reportedly said, quote, sex, never repress it. Search all the nooks and corners of your sexuality. It will be more fun, unquote. (laughs) I just love, it will be more fun. What? What an ad to see in, a, in the paper. It's incredible, man. 
Um, so according to locals, their strange rituals startled neighbors. Okay, this is kind of funny because this where it gets to like white suburbia rich oh, people totally. in 1980, yeah. which, okay, I'm going to preface. If something like this moved up the street from me, I'd probably be like, okay, this is interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think these people were anything to fear per se. Sure. It, it didn't seem like that, but I'd be like, all right, you know, just, you know, be a nice neighbor and wave. These people were like, oh, the heathens have moved in. <laughs> so an article okay. from the New York Times quoted a few residents during the time of the cult was operating out of the castle. So this is pretty much a direct quote from the New York Times that I'm going to read because it's just perfect. So it says, people are panic stricken, said Beverly Colvin, who lives in the exclusive neighborhood just below the mountaintop castle. We are very concerned um, said Andrew Shelby, another neighbor, about our property values, our children, and this becoming an international headquarters for a free sex cult. Yeah. Okay. Oh, God. Did you catch that he's concerned about his property values first? Yeah. His children second. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, so then Mrs. Colvin said that she and other opponents would attempt to drum up opposition by pointing out that the disciples' children would be in the local school system. Nice. Nice. Like, let's pick on the poor kids who, like, have nothing to do with this. They have no choice in the matter. Then, she said she also intended to ask authorities to check the resident status of any aliens in the group. Can we guess who Beverly voted for? Oh, no. That's... Fairy town. <laughs> oh, Lord. So police stated that they were doing all they could because all they could really do was check to make sure the group was complying with zoning and building codes, which they were. Sure. They, police were basically like, I mean, if you, if you want to join a sex cult, you can, as long as you're not doing <laughs> anything bad. Yeah, exactly. So there was also some resentment over the group's application for tax-exempt status for the castle, which mm. I will give them that is sketchy. Sure. Yeah, they probably sure. tried to make it be like, oh, we're a religious group or whatever. 100%. Yeah. Mm, no. So the cult was based out of the castle for nearly five years. The cult eventually relocated to Oregon, leaving the castle to fall into a state of disarray. The cult's leader and several members were convicted of crimes ranging from tax evasion to attempted murder. Whoops, maybe we weren't so great. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, there's probably like a couple of them and most of them were just like, you know, super crunchy granola, but uh, I'm sure. You I mean, good apple. Any cult. A, few, a few bad apples ruins the bunch. Yep. Um, so over the span of 20 years, or I'm sorry, uh, the cult's leader was convicted of tax evasion, attempted murder. In 1980, well, I am. The cult leader and several members were convicted of crimes ranging from tax evasion to attempted murder. Okay. In 1985, the property was purchased by a law firm. Over the span of 20 years, the castle was restored, and in 2006, the castle, carriage house, and property were sold to the Essex County Park System. Many paranormal investigators believe that the castle is haunted. However, those who work there deny these claims. In the spirit of fun, the Essex County Park System turns the castle into a haunted house every Halloween season. That's so cute! Yeah, so it's just this cool little place, and I suppose if you're ever in Montclair, you should check it out, because... Absolutely! It's got a history, that's for sure. It, it certainly does. Oh the my more gosh. I kept... I just kept reading, and I was like, oh, 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 what? 
is happening. <laughs> That's incredible. I'm so happy you found that. What a good, yeah, kind of cool. What a right? good story. That's really neat. Well, thank you. <sighs> well, this was a really, I think, for me personally, a very needed break, a mm-hmm. needed decompression from life. So yeah, it feels a little bit like a breath of fresh air. That's for sure. I'm glad we have this. Yes. It's a good outlet. Would highly recommend starting a podcast if you're bored. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. (laughs) Because let me tell you, it takes up a lot of time to do this research. It does. Oh my gosh. And all of a sudden you're like, I haven't done any research. And then you have to go figure out what the heck you're supposed to do. Yeah, and I'm permanently, what, 10 minutes late at least? 15 minutes? <laughs> Poor Taylor. <laughs> I try so hard to. I'm like, all right, I'm going to sit down. I, I'm going to do this. But I'm just used to it. I've, I mean, we've been friends for so long. This is just, uh, this is just life. Thank God you love me. Thank God. <laughs> I because love you, girl. you'd it's kill okay. me otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, well, we hope everybody is hanging in there and, yes. you know, still doing well and making sure that you release your stress because we yes. all have to in this time and hope yeah. that you laughed a little bit with this podcast or yeah, at least laugh, forgot laugh that you're stuck good. in your house. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Make sure to practice some self-care. Your mental health is super important right now and it's really mm-hmm. hard. So, you know, take care of yourself and do what you need to do. Um, there's plenty of ways to virtually connect um, with whether it just be friends or family or um, different medical professionals. So, you know, do what you need to do and, and stay, uh, stay well. And hang in there. We'll make it out. Brighter days are ahead. <laughs> well, we'll see you next time, guys. Thanks All for right. checking in. See you next time, guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate and subscribe. See you next time.